Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics, spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Well, hello, this is Lois Wetzel, and uh, today I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Samir Osmanagic on what's happened with his pyramids since I was there this summer. Let me tell you a little bit about um, about this. Uh, he is the discoverer of the first pyramids in Europe, and he's um, excavating these pyramids with a, a team of volunteers, and um, it's and unbelievable how huge these things are. I was there this past summer, and it's just breathtaking. And he's also excavating tunnels underneath it. He teaches archaeology at American University in Sarajevo. And um, at the same time, he's continuing in the summer with these excavations. And and here's the thing is these these pyramids are so old that they're covered with several feet of soil and grass and trees, and people live on there. And after thousands of years of soil buildup and plant growth, all pyramids look like hills. And you can see this in, in the Yucatan region of um, Mexico and um, on into Guatemala. And if you've ever seen a pyramid covered with soil, then you're not surprised when you see another and you recognize it. Um, but um, And the reason he recognized it was that he has a Ph.D. in Mayan studies. So he's seen lots of pyramids in the Yucatan, too. And one of the clues that makes it clear that you have found a pyramid is when the hill you're looking at has four equal triangular faces and they're perfectly aligned to the cardinal points, in other words, north, south, east, west. So anyway, he's founded a nonprofit which hosts volunteers each summer. So you want to think about doing something to make your life meaningful, think about going over and helping. Uh, They have two-week terms. And scientists come from all over the world to volunteer their time to measure the strange and fascinating anomalous frequencies that come from the top of that pyramid of the sun, the biggest one, as well as those that are inside the tunnel complex under the pyramids, which are also being excavated. There's some kind of free energy in there, and no one has yet found what it is that's that's the source. But this is absolutely the most compelling archaeological dig of our lifetime. So keep checking back to hear what's unfolding with him. And uh, he's got websites, and it's listed on my show page as well, his official website. So without continuing any further, I'm going to open the line um, to Dr. Osmanovic. Hello, Lois. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you doing? Um, I have a question. and The first thing I want to know, I'm just dying to hear, do you remember that um, geo-radar image that you showed me in the tunnels this past summer yes. that looked like X's and you were going to excavate? Yes. What happened? Now, um, as you nicely explained, the complex in Bosnia consists of the structures above the ground, five pyramids, which we named the sun, moon, dragon, earth, and love, and a huge underground complex of tunnels and chambers. 
within last six years, we've been cleaning those tunnels and uh, discovering the chambers, total of six so far. But this entrance is approximately one and a half mile from the pyramid. So what we do, we clean the tunnels that uh, take us in the direction of the pyramid. Uh, last summer, summer of 2011, our friends from Italy, the group from University of Milan and University of Trieste, came to Bosnia with uh, their georadar equipment. We wanted to check if uh, there is something hidden below the tunnel floor. So we were dragging the georadar approximately 650 yards. And only at one place, approximately 300 feet from the entrance, we discovered the anomaly. Namely, a couple of feet below the tunnel floor, we discovered the structure that started there going deep, going down. And the, the structure is uh, in the shape of diamond. So it's like a chamber in the shape of diamond, which is approximately five feet in height and uh, three and a half feet wide. Below the first chamber, there was another one. And then it seems there was the third one. But this georadar equipment can uh, uh, clearly see up to 13, 14 feet. Now, how deep it goes, we don't know. It can be you know, 15 feet, it can be 50, it can be 100 feet. At this point, we don't know. What is the purpose? We do not know. So after we discovered this anomaly, we started digging. The idea was to come from approximately 25 feet from the back and start making the steps in the clay formation. However, after one foot, we faced water. As a matter of fact, everywhere we dig in the tunnels, you know, approximately 12 to 15 inches, we are finding water. In other words, the tunnels are completely flooded. So it is like we have several layers. The first layer is a clay. That's our flooring. Now, this clay is waterproof. So the floor is actually dry. And then below one foot of clay, we have approximately one foot of water. So it is like somebody intentionally made this layer of water. And below that is a waterproof clay again. So we got those three layers. So if you want to dig something, immediately after you start digging, the water will start following you. And, of course, you won't be able to achieve anything. So when we realized that, we said, well, if we start, you know, continue digging towards the structure, then the water is going to destroy the structure. So in archaeology, there are no quick uh, answers. Sometimes you really need to think what is the best way to continue. Otherwise, uh, you can have real bad consequences. So what we did, we got another tunnel, which is coming at 90 degrees to this structure. And uh, next spring and summer, uh, we are going to try to dig again. Now, this time, after we consulted with coal mining engineers, we decided once we start making those steps, every couple of steps, we are going to build a small concrete reservoir where we are going to collect the water. And then we are going to pump the water out. So hopefully we can come close to the structure without any water. So since you mentioned this structure, and uh, that's one of our activities, I must say, say that this is very exciting. Wherever we are digging, we are facing such a unique and different structure than what we got used to, you know, in the last couple of thousand years with the ancient Greeks or Romans, Sumer, Babylonians, or other cultures. These are so old and so different. And, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, 
when I first came to little Bosnian town of Visoko, which is approximately 20 miles northwest from the capital city of Sarajevo. And when I saw these regularly shaped hills, just the mere size of them impressed me because they were much higher, much bigger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt, which was uh, considered the highest pyramid on the planet. And not only that we proved that, that the biggest Bosnian pyramid, which we named the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, is larger than Egyptian ones, but the second one, the Moon Pyramid in Bosnia, which is approximately 600 feet, is higher than 450-foot Great Pyramid of Egypt. So, above the soil, above the surface, we have, you know, phenomenal structures. And then below, this is a huge underground complex, and it seems that the tunnels run for tens of miles. And uh, another mystery in the tunnels, we can see that there are at least two civilizations at work. The first one who built the underground complex, and it was 12,000 years plus, and the second one, who, for some reason, sealed all the side tunnels. That was a huge work, bringing hundreds of thousands of tons of materials. And then, once they would fill in the tunnels, they would build those uh, drywalls, so they would seal the tunnels completely. So, it happened a little bit less than 5,000 years ago. So, this is very mysterious complex. And I would say, Lois, that uh, with the Bosnian Pyramid Project, we are bringing several extremely exciting and important things to the global science. Number one is the discovery itself. It's a huge. And it's going to affect our view of the ancient history. Number two, we are bringing with our openness uh, no elite science, no selected information. We are bringing a fresh air in archaeology and in science in general. Number three, you mentioned volunteers who come from all over the world every summer. We basically give the opportunity to any good intentional individual to become a part of the history-changing process. And number four, you mentioned the energy phenomena which we detected and measured on the top of the pyramids and in the tunnels, those energy phenomena have potential to influence, if not change, our future as, as modern civilization. Yeah, that's the whole thing is just so mind-boggling to me. Just, and I, I have to come back. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm going to try to come this summer. But what's so fascinating to me is the fact that there's the beam of energy coming out the top of the Pyramid of the Sun, and it's 12 and a half meters wide, which is about 38 feet wide. Actually, 12 and a half feet wide. About four How many meters, feet? Four meters in width. Mm-hmm. And that it becomes more intense the farther it gets from the surface of the pyramid. As it goes out into space, it gets stronger. Exactly right. Uh, what we have here, Lois, is that for the first time in the pyramid science, which, by the way, has not been established yet, uh, we try to figure out the real purpose of pyramids because what they've been teaching us for centuries is wrong. They tell us that the pyramids are built only in Egypt and Mexico, but they are built all over the planet on all six continents. There are tens of thousands of them. Secondly, they are telling us that Egyptian pyramids were used as the tombs for the pharaohs. So you have Egyptologists, together with Hollywood, trying to instill this wrong information upon us. The pharaonic Egypt simply did not have the proper tools, engineering skills, or knowledge to build such a huge colossal structure. Even we, in the 21st century, we could not... Uh, make identical replica of the Great Pyramid of Egypt. So the purpose is wrong, because in those Egyptian pyramids, the oldest one, you don't find mummies of the pharaohs, you don't find bones, no tools, no hieroglyphic writings, no symbols, no paintings, 
not the Sindhi prove who really built them, when, how, and why. So once we, you know, question what they've been teaching us from, then we can start exploring the true purpose of the pyramid. And I can tell you, my experience in the last seven years, the archaeologists only simply do not have knowledge to answer that question. So from the day one, we have combined the classical scientific disciplines like archaeology, geology, pedology, paleontology, with the very sophisticated uh, disciplines like satellite screening, thermal screening, georadar analysis. And uh, in the last couple of years, we said, well, it's not enough. So we asked help from physicists, quantum physicists, electrical engineers, experts in energy phenomena. So finally, you know, we realized that this discovery, first of all, influenced our view of ancient history. Secondly, it changes, potentially, the way our society can go as far as the energy use. Just a very brief reminder of why it changes the way they teach us about the ancient past. Well, these are the first pyramids in Europe. That fact alone is extremely important. Secondly, these are the biggest, the largest pyramids on the planet. If somebody built such a huge structures, they had a good reason for that. Number three, uh, as we know, most of the pyramids on the planet are perfectly oriented to the cosmic north. And you did mention that. The Chinese pyramids, 250 of them, dozens of Egyptian pyramids, dozens of Peruvian pyramids, a uh, number of, you know, Cahokia pyramids, 250 of them, and now Bosnian. But the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, according to the State Institute for Geodesy, has the best orientation with the error to the true north of only 0 degrees, 0 minutes, and 12 seconds. The element number 4, once we started removing the soil that you mentioned, after thousands of years, of course, we have a lot of soil, like in China, Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. Once we start removing it, we are finding rectangular blocks. And we've analyzed them. They are concrete man-made concrete of exceptional quality, much better than what we have today. And, you know, those four elements, plus the age, which was very intriguing, because the pedologist, the pedology science that uh, uh, investigates the origin and the age of the soil, they told us that the soil that covers sun and the moon pyramid is between 12 and 15,000 years old. Now, this is so important, because... Uh, our mainstream science is telling us that uh, the first advanced civilizations were Sumer, 7,000-8,000 years ago, Babylon, after them, Akkad, Assyria, ancient Egypt, ancient India. Now, we got Bosnian pyramids, much older. So, it's bringing a revolution in the way we perceive the ancient history. The sixth element is this huge, you know, the most extensive network of underground tunnels. I mean, we are talking about the labyrinth, which is tens of miles in length. And the seventh are the megalithic blocks that we are finding in the tunnels. And when we did analysis, uh, basically we are told that uh, they are not natural sedimentation, they are not sandstone, but ceramic. And they would locate, the, locate the, those huge ceramic blocks always above the underground water flows for a good reason. So those, those seven elements really change the way they view the ancient history. But what you mentioned is even more important. Once we had our friends, uh, you know, physicists, geophysicists, mathematicians, electrical engineers, on the top of the Bosnian pyramid, they brought their scientific instruments, not pendulums, but instruments, you know, oscilloscopes, computers, and the others. So they were measuring different energy phenomena. Now, we know what Mother Nature can make as far as the frequencies. We know what is a natural source of energy. And also we know what is the artificial source, what kind of frequencies can be made by the artificial sources or machines. 
And once he realized that on the very top of the Sun Pyramid in Bosnia, in the radius of 13 feet, there is an energy beam which is probably coming, you know, from the center of the pyramid, going up. And the interesting thing is, it's uh, in the very center of the plateau on the top. So it is not left or right. When you get to this radius, you can detect the energy beam. You get out of it, there is no energy. So it means that this energy beam is focused. So, you know, it doesn't go left or right. It's very important. And also what you mentioned, and I see that uh, you learned all of that, what you mentioned is the strength of the signal. Our technology, which we can call Hertzian technology, uh, is telling us that closer to the source, the stronger the signal. If you move away, the signal gets weaker. But in our case, in the case of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, it's opposite. When we measured the signal strength on the surface, when we placed our instrument on the surface, it shows us certain value. When we put it 10 foot higher, the signal was stronger. You know, we lifted for another 10 feet, and then the signal was even stronger. Now, that's one thing that the physicists cannot understand. They are saying it contradicts our physical laws. It contradicts everything that our modern humans created as far as the modern technology. But in last one year, we've done additional research since you were there the last time. So we realized that uh, inside the pyramid, there is a whole network of tunnels and chambers not only under the Bosnian Valley that runs for tens of miles, but inside the very pyramid. Namely, some of the researchers, uh, led by uh, Austrian explorer Klaus Donner, who have the access to rather sophisticated American technology with the ground-penetrating radar, they realized that there is a network of those tunnels on different levels. So you have tunnels 15 feet from the surface. You have them from 35 feet from the surface. You have them 50, 100, up to 300 feet from the surface. And the interesting thing is those uh, tunnels, you know, they have uh, the shape of letter U. But every lower level is moved a little bit. So they're not exactly one below each other, but they are moved. So since every level is moved, so it looks like a spiral. The spiral oh. is extremely important because when you have such a layout of the structure, then that spiral can generate so-called non-Hertzian waves, which can produce, which can generate this energy coming to the top, with a stronger and stronger signal. So it seems that somebody made, not a construction, but a perfect energy machine in the, in the distant past. Now, we are getting more information. We realized that besides two big rivers in this very town of Visoko, beautiful place, by the way, there is a lot of underground water flows, a lot of underground rivers, and the uh, of course, we know that when you have a water flow, that it generates the energy. That energy is going up slowly. Uh, besides other things, if we have, let's say, our bed above the underground river, eventually we're going to get sick because this energy is, uh, you could call it, negative energy for our body. But there is an energy. Uh, our friends from Russia, from the Schmidt Institute, with Professor Kavroshkin, uh, Professor Tsiplakov, they were doing research on Egyptian pyramids. They brought their seismic equipment, acoustic equipment, and they concluded, and the last time it was in December of 2011, just six weeks ago, we went uh, together to Cairo and visited, again, all the Egyptian pyramids, you know, from Dakhshur, Meidum, Saqqara, Giza, and so on. They concluded the pyramid acts as a certain type of a machine and this signal is getting 50 times stronger as it moves 
from the base to the top. And it always moves to the top. So, if we apply the same analogy on the underground waters and the energy, the natural energy that it was produced by underground waters, the pyramid which is placed on top of, the, of that energy basically amplifies that existing energy 50 or 500 times. So the ancients were so smart, and for them, the location of the pyramid was extremely important. They needed to find the energy potent points, they needed to find underground rivers, and then they would place their you know, remarkable monuments, or, in this particular case, pyramid machines. You know, there's a whole field of study um, that I tapped into just a little bit a few years back, uh, sacred geometry, and they claim the same thing, that certain shapes will generate certain energies and that this is a lost knowledge. And when you were talking about the, the pyramids having structures or shapes inside that tap the energy and magnified it of the moving water underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm reminded of is the the moving water that back in a couple hundred years ago, people used to just get water wheels and generate electricity like that. So it, it's just what the pyramids are doing is just a more sophisticated form of that. They're generating energy from the movement of water. You're right. And, uh, you know, in our time, in order to explain the pyramids, it's simply not enough to rely only on our physical senses. Unfortunately, our science relies on physical senses, and that's the reason why Egyptologists or historians have been convincing us, you know, that the pyramids are simply, you know, tombs. But now, once we combine, like we've been doing in Bosnia on this project, once we combine the physical energy and spiritual realms, then you can fully explain these huge structures or machines. Now, we can see that the pyramid produces several types of the energy. We just mentioned the first one. That's the energy beam that's going through the top of the pyramid. But besides that one, there is a second one, which is an energy flow within the pyramid. It flows, it's like a circle, and this flow hits one-third of the height of the pyramid. It hits pyramid walls from the inside. It's coming back, it's going approximately two-thirds of the height of the pyramid, and coming down to one-third, and then, you know, it is like a circle. Now, the interesting thing is that the chambers in the Great Pyramid of Egypt are located exactly on the way of this flow. So they are exposed completely to the, you know, uh, the most intensive strength of this energy flow, with the benefits, of course, to our bodies. The third energy type is the one that goes off the pyramid in concentric circles, you know, the ground affecting, in a positive way, the agriculture. And it seems that the ancient I don't know, you know, who gave them that knowledge, but it seems that they knew that once you, you know, build this shape of the pyramid with certain artificial material, and once you orient it north-south, east-west, and that's orientation of the energy flow of the planet, because our planet is nothing but the you know, huge energy ball. Now, once you orient it that way, then you have several types of the energy, and... It's good to mention at this point that, uh, Lois, you are part of our uh, common project a year and a half ago. Namely, when I was thinking uh, how to proceed with the project, I said, well, it would be very helpful to get information not only from physical but also from the spiritual world. And uh, there is this notion that in the spiritual dimension there exists some type of the library which holds all the knowledge uh, about the past and the future of our planet, but also uh, about our universe. So I said to myself, okay, let me see what kind of information I can get through the people who can tap that vast knowledge. 
So you were one of them. And uh, during this, well, I would call it experiment, uh, I established scientific protocols. So it was six of you. You didn't know for each other. And you didn't know what I was going to ask you. And my questions were about different archaeological sites from Machu Picchu, Mexican pyramids, Egyptian pyramids, Chinese, those on Mauritius, Bosnia, and so on. Ed, you didn't know me. So once I started asking you questions, the questions were the same for all of you. I simply asked you, I would show you the photo of this uh, uh, beautiful site, and I would ask you, okay, who built this, when, how, and why? I didn't want to give you too many information. So then you were getting the you know, information from the spiritual realm. And the interesting thing is that three months before we had the first physicist from Croatia on the site who detected this energy beam, I received that information from you guys. Some of you are talking about the Sun Pyramid in Bosnia, some type of pyramid machine, or place for rejuvenation, or place that generates this energy beam. One was telling me the energy beam was going down through the planet. The other one, the energy beam was going up. But all of you uh, did have a link between the pyramid and the energy. And as far as the underground labyrinth, you also talk about the benefits, even though at that time none of you visited those tunnels. So I would say that uh, we are doing uh, a major work in uh, bridging the gap between the physical and spiritual science. And it seems to me at this point what the physical science, what the mainstream science lacks is uh, this other spiritual dimension. But then on the other hand, what the you know, people from the metaphysical community, uh, what they need more is uh, you know, certain scientific protocols, methodology. And then you know, once we combine that knowledge, then I think we'll be able to answer many more questions. Right. What I had gotten was that the pure, that the beam goes not only up but down both in both directions all the way through the earth down and and out no tone I mean infinitely out. I couldn't see how far out it went. I think it goes in both directions. You know what I think is utterly fascinating is all the different um all the different destructive energies that we are bombarded with on the surface that do not exist in the tunnels, yes. like the Schumann resonance and uh, all the, I can't remember of all of them, but that, yes, that's all right, sir. Uh, but first let me finish with the sun pyramid and the energy, and I think you are absolutely right that uh, the energy beam probably goes both ways, up and down, because the way the pyramid is uh, uh, constructed, it receives the energy from the sun, so the solar energy, but also from some of the star systems. But on the other hand, with its base, it's getting the energy from underneath. So, I mean, uh, there's a reason why the location was so important. And uh, I would say, once you build such a huge structure, I mean, I mean, dimensions are so huge. The Great Pyramid of Egypt has five million tons of the you know blocks, and the Bosnian pyramids. 18 million tons. I mean, that, that was a huge project. So now imagine how powerful energy source it is. And especially having in mind that uh, that uh, energy, that beam that goes you know, up and down, you know, its strength is stronger and stronger. It means that you can literally you know, hit any point in our galaxy, or maybe even in, in the universe. So it's just a matter to have very um, sophisticated instrument on the top that can refine, that can, you know, get the coordinates. And the interesting thing is that those instruments, which archaeologists call pyramidions, which are basically the end of the pyramid, they are missing from all original pyramids in the world, in China, Egypt, Mexico, Peru, Bosnia. So it is like you have a mechanism 
let's say a Swiss watch, you got 100 parts, you remove one, the clock will still be working, but it won't be precise as it was originally. I think that somebody intentionally was removing the pyramidians. And the pyramidians were usually either from granite, which is superior material, or gold-plated granite, or gold. Now, that's about the energy you know, uh, that, uh, that is produced by the pyramids. And what you mentioned in underground tunnels, the underground tunnels, uh, people are telling us they act as places to purify our beings. And we can see a lot of people that feel real good in those tunnels. And I've seen, you know, thousands and thousands of people are coming and visit us. And I've seen people who would complain before they enter the tunnel, they would have headaches. But once, you know, they go through the tunnels, after a couple of 300 yards, they feel excellent. They are not tired, you know, the headaches are gone, the back pains are gone. So we want to see what is really happening. We, you know, we always want to find some, you know, uh, scientific arguments to answer certain questions. Well, what we did uh, this last summer, summer of 2011, one of the volunteers, very nice man from Slovenia, his name is engineer Janis Telko, he said that he wanted to volunteer in Bosnia, but, you know, he's 73, he said, you know, he would prefer to do something else than just dig in. And I said, of course, uh, he can do something. And he said that uh, he was dealing with the with the aura uh, measurements, and he has equipment from the University of St. Petersburg in Russia. Professor Korotkov trained him. So what you do, well, this is a sophisticated piece. It's also based on Killian photography, but in Russia, this is a scientific discipline. So basically, they measured you know, your ten fingers, and then you can see the aura around your body. And if some pieces are missing, it means that... Uh, you know, your protective shield, your bioenergy shield is not there anymore, and then certain disease started, or you are sick, or whatever. So, what we are doing this summer, we measured about 79 people before they entered the tunnels and after they came back. We wanted to see if there are any changes on this bioenergy field. And I was one of the you know, first uh, to measure my aura, and before I entered the tunnel, I could see that on two places, my aura was missing. The one was near the left knee. And uh, this guy who was doing that, uh, Mr. Yannis, he told me, I see potential problems with the blood circulation. And considering how much time I spend in the airplanes, you know, between Europe and the U.S., probably he's right. And the yeah. second one was near my chest, my left chest. Also, you know, the protective shield was very thin over there. Well, I went to the tunnel. I spent approximately one and a half hour. I came back, and uh, they measured me again. This time, the piece that was missing near the knees was, you know, back. So it was like certain process of regeneration was happening inside the tunnel. So, we did this, the same thing with the 80 people last summer. In 80% of cases, the aura improvement was between 10 and 45%. And the biggest improvement was in the case of the Croatian young man who went to meditate in front of one of our big megaliths. Megalith uh, K2, and he came back, his order was improved for 45%. Now, these are really big numbers. So, now we ask ourselves, hey, uh, these people, they use this place as some type of the, you know, the healing facility. Now, the question is, how many times you need to go there? Is it daily, weekly, monthly? We will answer those questions in the future. But what you did mention is the negative radiation. We know that during our life uh, and living on the surface of our planet, you know, we've been exposed to the negative cosmic radiation. You know, a lot of those rays, they simply go through us and the planet. Some of them don't harm us, but some of them are very bad for our health. 
So our body cells try to fight that enemy. Then we have, of course, very famous Hartman grids. Now those grids, those lines, they go east-west, north-south, the places they um, intersect, they're very bad you know, for our health. And the interesting thing is that some of the ancient people, like Sumerians or Babylonians, when they were building their temples, they would place the stone column on the place where it was intersection on Hartman grids, meaning they didn't want people to be the exposed to those harmful, you know, radiations. Then, of course, there are Schneider's grids, there are Curie's grids. There is a, a so-called underground natural radioactivity. It's also bad for our health. And uh, underground water flows also some type of the negative energy. So all our lives, our body cells, they fight those enemies. Now, one of uh, the engineers and researchers who join us is uh, a guy from Sarajevo. His name is an engineer, uh, Chatic. And he came with the instruments to measure the presence and intensity of all these different radiations. So even though... Uh, you know, some people, dowsers, you know, they can measure the presence of different uh, rays. Uh, I think it's still individual. There are people who are more sensitive or less sensitive. But once you have the instrument, then you cannot affect the work of the instrument. You simply take the instrument in your hands, you find the radiations, then the red light comes on, you can hear the sound, and you can see that on the scale from 0 to 80, this little antenna either goes to the right, negative side, or to the left, on a positive scale. So, we had this guy who first demonstrated on the surface different um, radiations, and then we went inside the underground labyrinth. Now, inside we are approximately 70 feet below the surface. However, he tried to catch Hartman grid, Schneider, Curie, Cosmic, underground radioactivity, none. Now, I knew that we have underground water, so I took him to the site with the megaliths, megaliths K1, K2, K3, and so on. So, he came there with its instrument. The moment he came above those megaliths, we could see the red light, we could hear the sound, but the antenna, instead of going to the right, on the negative scale, from 0 to 80, it went to the left, on the positive side. He was looking and he could not believe. He said this was for the first time in his 20-year career that when you have the underground water, you don't have negative, but positive energy. And then based on his experience, he said that uh, plus minus 15% on plus or minus side does not really affect our bodies, but starting 16%, then it starts affecting us. Well, in the tunnels, it was 16% everywhere. So it was like somebody calibrated those tunnels with certain positive energy. Now, he was going through the tunnels, and on one place he could see you know, the negative area. He said, well, something is wrong here. Then he asked me, you know, uh, if we moved anything, because we have a lot of blocks, as you can see. There. I said, yes. Last year, we had a block which is about seven, 800 pounds in mass. And since the tunnel in that particular area is rather narrow, the volunteers moved it for approximately uh, 15 feet from its original spot. And the interesting thing, they moved it today, next morning, that area was flooded. Like, by moving one thing, you know, you affected the whole system. But anyway, uh, this engineer, Mr. Chartich, he asked me, you know, if we were moving something, I said, yes. They moved this block last year. He said, okay, you know, get it back. So I got five or six of my guys, and they tried to, you know, uh, drag it slowly. And 
I was looking at his antenna. As they were approaching its original position, that minus 12 on the antenna was going to minus 10, minus 8, minus 6. And then they stopped at the original place. And it was still minus 6. He was looking at his instrument. He said, well, this is not an original spot. I was looking at him and said, well, yes, you are right. Originally, it was exactly in the middle, you know, of our way, in the middle of the floor. And, of course, we could not put it in the middle because, you know, theorists and researchers, you know, they go back and forth. But he said, you know what, bring me another stone from the tunnel. So we brought not a big stone, maybe, you know, 30, 40 pounds. He said, place it by that block, which we did. And we still had minus six on the, you know, on the scale. He said, try to turn it, this, you know, new stone. We were doing that, and as we were turning, repositioning, you know, the antenna was going down to four, two percent, and finally zero. What does it tell us? The ancients knew the interaction between stones, natural materials, and underground waters, and naturally generated energy. And as you know, Louis, let's say in Western France, you got thousands of so-called menhirs. These are obelisks. These are some type of the monoliths that would ancient, you know, put in the ground and then position them. So basically, at that time, of course, they did not have instruments like we have them today. And today we completely rely on technology, on computers and so on. But, you know, sometime in the past, people knew that they were the best instruments. Our bodies could register everything. It just, it's not, the, you know, the skill and knowledge that we developed with our kids and with our new generation. But the ancients were doing that. So what they would do when they picked up the place to build, for example, a temple, they would bring a monolith, put it in the ground, and then position it in that way that it would neutralize negative radiation that was coming you know, from the earth and the one that was coming from above. So once you put one, two, three, four monoliths, then what you have inside is completely protected. And then you can build your temples or homes or whatever. So this is a type of knowledge that we've uh, forgotten a long time ago. So we need to get it to the surface. Because if we do, then we will benefit. Oh, I think I think eventually what's going to happen is you're going to discover some method for generating free energy. I think that's where that's headed, because otherwise these things wouldn't be working all these years. You are right. What we have here, we have 12,000 plus old energy machines. And if you go there with our scientific instruments, you can measure electromagnetic fields. And the frequency, the frequency of 28 kilohertz is something that Mother Nature does not generate, only artificial source. You can measure ultrasound, 28 to 32 kilohertz. Again, it's not a natural source. It's a pyramid. Now, those frequencies, the ultrasound, are extremely important, even though we have not done so many studies. But we know from 1930s and 1940s that the people were able to generate ultrasound, and with ultrasound, they would heal any disease in human bodies. Of course, those type of uh, research were later abandoned because, you know, it is not in the best interest of the pharmaceutical industry, which is so strong, you mm -hmm. know, to have completely healthy nations. So, but we know that the ancients, for some particular reason, had those particular frequencies. Then, we are measuring over there the frequency of infrasound. Infrasound is below what we can hear. Our range 
is from 20 Hz to 20 kHz. That's what we can hear. Above 20 kHz is ultrasound. We cannot hear that. However, we can detect it because it does exist. Some animals can, you know, pick up ultrasound. And then infrasound is below our range. So our range is from 20 Hz, and what we measure there is 7 Hz, and that is not a frequency of our planet. Again, this is an artificial source. Now, so we measure basically five different types of energy. Electromagnetic, ultrasound, infrasound, magnetic, and electric. And it seems to me that this is just the beginning. Today, we don't even have a scientific instrument to measure some types of energy that is generated by the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. So, we still don't know what to look for. And as you know, people have been talking about, uh, you know, chi energy or organ energy, or but we don't have scientific means to measure it. So, I asked my friends from Zagreb, from Italy, from Finland, from Belgrade, to try to design, you know, different instruments to try to go after those different types of energy. And I think this is a good place to announce an experiment that we're going to do uh, at the end of the April of 2012. Namely, a group of physicists and electro-engineers from the countries that I just mentioned, Croatia, Italy, Finland, Serbia, and probably Greece. So from five countries, we're going to have a scientist. They're going to bring more than 500 pounds of equipment and we will try to emit energy on different frequencies electromagnetic energy it will be you know kilohertz frequency from 26 to 34 kilohertz and we will try to awake the pyramid we will try to get the reaction of the pyramid we will have a lot of equipment, and we will be detecting, measuring, and then filming you know, the whole experiment. Now, we will need to do that from the safe distance, because it seems that there is a, a reference to the similar experiment in Brazil, when they were on the what they called the pyramidal hill, something in the shape of the pyramid. And it seems that several persons got burned severely. So we will make sure that this safety factor is there as a priority, but we will try to see what kind of effect it's going to have on the pyramid. Because if we can detect and measure certain phenomena, it means that the pyramid is still working. Maybe not like before. Maybe not, uh, you know, all the parts of the pyramids are there, but it's still working. Three years ago, our friend from the United Kingdom, Dr. Harry Oldfield, who developed so-called PIP camera, which is also based on Killian photography, and uh, which can fill energy fields. He called it bioenergy fields, which uh, are otherwise uh, not visible to the naked human eye. So he brought the equipment, and we were filming the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. So what we could see inside the pyramid was some type of the energy that was accumulating and it was growing. And then when we filmed the natural hills, what we could see there was above the hill were horizontal layers of energy. It was fixed. But above the Bosnian pyramid of the sun, due to the fact that this energy was accumulating inside, and then it would get released to the very top. Those horizontal layers would become vertical. So when we were watching the pyramid through the eye of this 3D camera, it looked like it's a huge process, energy machine that's in work. So I would say that we've been doing pioneering steps in the pyramid science here in Bosnia. Imagine, of all countries in the world, from Egypt, China, U.S., Mexico, Peru, in Bosnia, the small, war-torn countries, from 1992 to 95, 
we have terrible war there. And then a lot of stories about the violence, about the war criminals, negative stuff. Even recently, Bosnia is the most corrupted country in Europe. But what we want to do with this project, we want to send different messages to the world. The messages of the archaeological and scientific research, cultural heritage, young people coming from all over the world to volunteer in Bosnia, tourism. So we are sending positive news to the world. And uh, one more thing, guys. One of the pyramids is named the Pyramid of Love. Now, there are so many things that the archaeologists and mainstream scientists complain about this project. And one of them is, why did we name them? Especially, why did we name one pyramid the Pyramid of Love? For them, it's too romantic. And they would prefer something like structure number 26. <laughs> well, you know, my thinking was, the words are extremely powerful. Yes. And unfortunately, we, we have forgotten that fact. For example, until a couple of thousand years back, when you would name your kid a certain name, the name itself would predestine the future of that kid. Today, for us, the words mean almost nothing. Well, the most powerful word is, of course, the word love. So when you assign such a powerful word to one huge structure, the idea is to color the whole valley of the pyramids in Bosnia with love. And this is the type of messages we want to send to the world. And I think that is the message you are sending to the world. And I, I want to underscore how amazing it is that everything you do is open to the public and you're not keeping any secrets and you're sharing everything and you're inviting people to participate. And this is just upside down and backwards from the way things have been done in other places that have pyramids that are being uh, explored. And I just want to thank you on behalf of everybody I know who's ever worked or been interested in this project that um, we appreciate so much the fact that you're sharing it with the world and that you're not keeping secrets and that you're inviting all kinds of scientists to come over and share in the exploration and that you're sharing the information. And it's just, it is love, you know. It's love mm -hmm. of your fellow man that causes you to share in this way and not try to control it or keep it secret or somehow benefit from it yourself. Yes. Yes, exactly right. And uh, I, when I do lectures, I promote not only the project, I promote the Bosnia, I promote the, you know, this project has been run by the non-profit foundation, which we named Archaeological Park Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun Foundation. And for the first time, you don't have a you know, department of archaeology, universities, museums. You don't have people who are paid to do their job. But you have enthusiasts who are coming from all over the world under the umbrella of this nonprofit foundation. And we do this because we love research, we love pyramids, and we love our country. And I think that's the way to go. And when we opened the project for everyone, we said, even though it is in Bosnian soil, the pyramids do not belong only to Bosnia. They are the cultural heritage of the world. The same thing with the pyramids in Egypt, Mexico, the same thing with the Great Chinese Wall or the Eiffel Tower in Paris. It belongs to all of us. So to why all the should we keep the secret? Why should we feed the elite? science, right. you know, with the information, they have monopoly on that. And with that monopoly on information, in a wider sense, you know, they have monopoly on economy, politics, media, so you have a group, of, you know, who have everything, and then you have a public who have so little. I think it's time to change that. The knowledge belongs to everyone. Yes, it does. Well, thank you for being with me here tonight. I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you very much. And I think that uh, 
few months from now, we will have uh, more things to share. Well, great, and let's do this again. And by the way, I'm being syndicated in Norway. They're going to be sh- playing my shows in Norway soon. There's a, it's Lightworker dot fm instead of dot com. It's dot fm, Lightworker dot fm radio station. It's going to be uh, having my shows on there. So, wonderful. In Norway, okay. Talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Bye bye then. Thank you. Bye bye.